2: Hey, Tommy, guess how many uh, Nissan Zs I've owned in my life? Um, Zero. No, three. (laughs) So you can imagine how excited I was uh, when we had the chance, well, I should say I had the chance, to go and drive the brand new Z. It's no longer like a 240, a 350, a 300 ZX. It's now the Z. Yeah, we need to have a conversation here at TFL about how we allocate the press trips, because that sounded like a really fun one. Yes, but I've owned three of them, Tommy, so that's (laughs) why I got to go on it. And in this podcast, we're going to be doing much more than that. We're also going to be talking about a trip you went on, Tommy. What did you go drive? Well, I got to spend some time with the brand new Kia
3: Sportage, but we're also going to talk about a bunch of other stuff like the C-Class. Yep. Um, A few questions that you guys have asked over the past week. And um, some, you know, randomness here and there about how I got, like,
2: really stuck in the mud in my Jeep. I thought we could talk about that as well. Yeah, and then, of course, we have to introduce our new producer, Jay. Say hi, Jay. How's it going, guys? Jay's going to be helping uh, us with questions and with a fun story I found on CNN this week, Tommy. I want to know just how important your cell phone is. In fact, is it important enough for you to, well... get it out of a toilet. That is, the, I'm, I'm, I'm not, Am I making that up, Jay? No, you can't make this one up. No, this that's is pretty disgusting. I know that's a real story that we're going to be discussing. So I want to know whether you would go and get your phone, if you dropped it, into a toilet. Not the kind you flush, but the kind that's at a campsite, because that's what this woman did. But we'll get to that. So uh, should we start on the Z? Yeah, let's, let's do it. So you went to Las Vegas to drive the all-new Nissan sports car. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, it's been a long time in the coming, right? I mean... First and foremost, uh, it was 53 years now since the original uh, Nissan 240, if I recall, Z was introduced. Uh, And here's a bit of trivia, Jay. Hmm. Let's see if you know this question or Tommy. I'll I'll open it up to both of you. In Japan, first of all, Jay or Tommy, what is a Z called? It's the Fair Lady. Fair Lady. lady. Okay. And why is it called the Fair Lady?
4: I don't That's
2: know. A, I, that, I, we're, we're, not, we're a lot younger than you are, Roman. We don't know these things. Dude, I'm, I'm, come on. When this thing was introduced, I was like five years old or something. No, so. you were in high school. No, I was not. <laughs> what in high year school? was it introduced? Like
3: 1940? Okay.
4: <laughs> well, I mean, Tommy and I have an excuse.
2: We just didn't. You were yeah, busy. We were not alive, yep. Yeah. All right, so, uh, you know, the, the Fair Lady name, okay, uh, came before the AZ, actually. In Japan, there was a, uh, I believe it was a sports car that was also called. Uh, the, the Fair Lady. And the reason for the Fair hmm. Lady, gentlemen, is uh, the CEO of uh, Nissan, actually Dotson at the time, right? Dotson, yep. Went to New York, and guess what uh, Guess what? Broadway show he watched? My Fair Lady. Exactly. There you go. And there that, it is. that's where the name actually came from, um, My Fair Lady. It must have been a really good
4: show for him to uh, name a iconic sports it car. It just seems really
2: goofy, because I, I think of My Fair Lady, I think of like... I don't think of that, I'm pointing to the new Z. Yeah,
3: that's an interesting one. Okay,
2: so what did you think of the Z? What can you tell us about it? Uh, Well, first and foremost, uh, I think they nailed the styling. Uh, So what they tried to do is incorporate uh, a little bit of the retro with those like uh, LED round headlights. There you can see the the old one compared to the new one. Uh, And then of course, they gave it more power, gentlemen. Uh, 200, um, actually 400 horsepower out of a twin-turbo twin uh, V6 uh, and 350 pound-foot of torque, which is about, I think, 68 more horsepower than the outgoing model, which was a 370. Well,
3: one thing I didn't know, which which you told me that was really interesting, is I thought this was an all-new car from the ground up, but you said it actually shares a lot of its chassis development from the old one.
2: Yeah, yeah, so, the, you know, it is a new car, but they did use a lot of the old chassis, um, so if you um, you know, liked or disliked the 370Z, which was a previous gen, that was the 6th generation, this is now the 7th generation of Z, uh, then you may not like or or you may like this car, it really depends. They gave it a little bit of a wider tire and bigger um, bigger shocks and better suspension to give it a little bit more track worthiness. Uh, and I did get to go on the track and that video will be coming out, if you're listening to this today on Monday, that will be coming out on May, I think it's 16th. So we've got a little bit of time before we can actually talk about what it's like on the track but i did do a walk around which is already on all tfl.com tommy now did they make the interior better than the old one that was one of the big problems with the old one uh they did uh so some of the switch gear is still shared yeah like it looks like the window switches and like the door handles pretty similar yeah the door handles the same as the old 370 you see the little uh uh rear view mirror switch Uh uh-huh you know that's exactly out of any other Nissan product. Uh, but in general, uh, the thing that really impressed me, Jay, uh, hmm. as well was, guess what? Look what? At, look, what do you see there? What, what's so cool about that picture? Yeah, what's the manu- most important thing on that picture? He had a manual transmission. Exactly, he found it, yeah. It, it comes with an automatic or manual, a nine-speed or a six-speed manual. Nine-speed automatic, six-speed manual. What does this little button do that has the, the shift pattern on it? Oh, good Ooh. question. You know, Jay? That's, um, that's the fun button.
4: Overdrive feature?
2: No, rev matching. Oh, okay. So it rev matches, uh, which is really cool. And the best thing, guys, I got to do is they had uh, the 370, then they had the manual uh, version of the new vehicle, and the automatic, and they got to do uh, accelerations. So I was able to do a video where we went from 0 to 60 in the last generation, the new manual and the new automatic, and that is also coming up on TFL Car. I can't wait to show you that one. Yeah, gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha.
3: Wait, what's this mean? Well, I I think every time you turn your head, you're going to lose your audio. Oh, thank you for the... uh. Yeah. Um, no, I think it's a very cool looking car. I really like the changes they've done. Uh, I really enjoy the full digital instrument cluster. I think that's a nice improvement. And uh, the, the seat design's pretty cool. Uh, the steering wheel looks very sporty and aggressive. Uh, but overall, it, it, it looks to be very attractive. I just can't wait to see what it drives, drives like.
2: All right, so we're going to have a group discussion here, OK? OK. Uh, and I was having this discussion with Alex from Alex on Autos as we were driving back from the new C-Class. Uh, and it's a really good discussion, and he's going to be having it on his podcast as well. So. I thought, well, you know what, let's, 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 we're not going really talk about the C-class yet. Oh, okay. So, so let's, uh, let's, let's talk about this. So they have not uh, officially announced pricing on the Newsy, but they have announced pricing in Japan. Uh, so in Japan, the New Z is going to cost just over 5 million yen, which translates to about $41,000 in America. Okay. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah, I think that's pretty good, don't that's you? Fair. Yeah, I, I, I do think that's fair. I do wonder
3: if it's going to be more expensive for the U.S. market. Um, so we'll have to find that I, out. But I would bet
2: it's going to be less. That, that would be my guess.
3: Well, what's the, uh, what's the discussion? An guess. What's the discussion that Alex wanted to have? So
2: the discussion that we're going to have is for $50,000 or less, which includes the Newsy, What performance sports car would you gentlemen buy? So I'll start with you, Tommy, and then how about you, Jay? So let's talk about the cars that are on our list first. So just off the top of my head, the cars that are on the list are, well, let's go through it, guys. I mean, we can come up with this list. So um, obviously the Z, but get this, the Super starts at over 50, so... Unfortunately, it's not on the list. Well,
4: is that even for the, the base 2.0 in? Yeah, think so. Alex said I think it's it's more.
3: No, the the 2 liter is a lot cheaper than than why, the 3 why liter. Why don't we google it? Why don't we okay. find out? Uh, the 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 super 2.0 is actually very affordable for what it is. Um, so, let me get the exact price. 43,000 for the Super 2.0. So that so you could have the 2.0, but you couldn't have the 3.0. I bet. I bet you that 3.0 is probably about another ten grand. Yeah. I would imagine so. Let's see.
2: Super 3.0 is mm, fifty something. Yeah. Yep, there it is. So, so it's over. So the 2.0 has how much horsepower? It's probably you know not 400. I don't want to get it wrong. Okay. Um, 2.0 starts at 43.
3: 3.0 starts at 51. And the 2.0 has a two-liter squintrol squint. <laughs> twin twin scroll. scroll, single turbo, and where are the full specs here? Mechanical and performance, it has... Um, why has our internet decided to go so bad today? What is going on?
4: Because it's raining outside, Tommy. <laughs> yeah,
3: apparently it doesn't work when it gets wet. Uh,
2: 255 horsepower. Right, so, I mean, you know, for in Japan at least, for 41,000, you can get a 400 horsepower Z versus a 250 horsepower Supra. Right. And the Z, unlike the Supra, and this is once again good or bad depending on your point of view, is not, um, you know, shared with a BMW chassis or powertrain.
3: But keep in mind, there's a lot of other kind of more indirect competitors. Like you could get a hell of a Mustang GT for this price. Yeah, Mustang. So
2: you can get a Mustang or Camaro. Camaro SS, yeah, even a Challenger if you wanted something. You could get a Challenger, you could also get a WRX. Yep. Mm-hmm. so that's another one yeah uh, the Cadillac uh, one of the one of the black wings is under 50k
3: the probably the little one right The little CT4, one yeah yeah, definitely. yeah that,
2: one, that one's under 50k so that is also a competitor well okay Jay I'm gonna let you answer first okay. Which one
3: of these would you go well, for there's still more we haven't we haven't gotten them all so yeah there is one actually I'm thinking of it's a lot less powerful but there's a Toyota 86 well I was gonna talk about those in the Miata but um, those are kind
2: of a class lower wouldn't you say from a from a horsepower and performance standpoint, I'm just saying sports car for under 50k. I, we're not classing them. We're just there's no particular classes. There's just a sports car under 50k. So now you, that those both qualify, the Miata and the GR86, the WRX qualifies, of course. The Mustang, the Camaro. Well, uh, if you're talking WRX, so then you have to talk about like Golf R, yep, Golf GTI, yep, Golf R, both of those Golf. Count. G, yep. yep, they count as well. Um, so there's there's a, there's like I'll be at least a dozen of these cars. Uh, i also think there aren't there some like sporty a class mercedes that, that are under 50k how about the bmw the m m2 no no, no that's no. that's a gonna be a two series mm, maybe a two you could get like an audi
3: s3 i think
2: right, audi Jay? s3 definitely definitely That would yeah yeah
4: tell uh, me so, what does the uh, bmw m240i run for uh
3: that's gonna be more that'll be more but he's right yeah that's gonna be more but you could probably get a base two series for under under the uh price um, anyways, which of these, Jay, is sounding attractive to you? Miata, all the way. I agree. That's my choice. It's affordable. It's
4: yep. fun. It's reliable. <laughs>
3: yep, I agree.
4: That's and the choice. You, you just can't go wrong. And but it's I mean, slow. Roman
2: can't fit in it, so. It's. I don't I fit. understand. The problem guys for me is I don't fit in three of those cars, <laughs> <laughs> actually four. I don't fit in the Supra, I don't fit in the Miata, I sort of kind of fit in the GR86 and I'm 6'2", uh, and unfortunately I don't really fit into this. I kind of sort of fit into this, it's a little bit bigger uh, than the Supra, but once again they made the roofline super low. Uh, and I just wish that Japanese would consider that there are people like my height and girth, Tommy, who, who do not like having their head hit the ceiling when they're driving a vehicle or leaning way back when they're driving it. How about you? Which car would you pick?
3: Um, Miata.
2: It's it's the Thank best you. sports car in the
3: world. You can't beat it. You know, it's cheap. You can <laughs> exactly. pick up a Miata for 30 grand. You have 20 grand
2: left over. So, so uh, Jay, Tommy went autocrossing this weekend. Oh uh, yeah. W- Want to tell us about that?
3: Um, Yeah, not too much to talk about. Just driving around some cones for, for a full day. It was a ton of fun. Um, but the Miatas, are, I mean, obviously they kill it autocross. But I just love them. I think they're they're really good value. They're a ton of fun. Uh, they're one of the lighter cars on the market. Super tossable. They're very reliable, and it's just great. I mean, the thing is, this car is obviously much faster. It's kind of in a league yeah, it above. Would, it.
2: it would kill it. it would, uh, this would kill it on the autocross. You'll have.
3: Mm, I don't. Know. I'm not so sure about that. I don't know because a Miata was killing M2s. Basically, a stock Miata was just running circles around M2s on, right, on at an, the an, autocross. auto-cross. Have a track? Let's go a track. on a track. Yeah, yeah. it'd yeah. be fast. But not everybody buys a miata to go fast they buy a miata to have fun darn straight and that is why i think the miata is not going to be any less fun than the z well i mean they both have
2: a lot of heritage right they've both been around a long time you can by the way get an m240 for under 50. you can 48, I so. 48 550.
3: The very base
4: minimum M240i you can do. Yep, that's but I true. I think they're only all-wheel drive right now, Tommy. The rear-wheel yeah. drive is coming out this summer, supposed. If you to be.
2: want rear-wheel drive, you have to get a so, 230. So, I mean, I'm going you know, to be honest. I'm a huge Z fan. Like I say, my dad, your grandpa owned one, and then when... Uh, He passed away, he left it to me, and then uh, I've owned two others previous to that. Uh, The 300ZX Twin Turbo guys is the favorite car I've ever owned, and I've owned probably too many to go through in one show. Uh, And it's funny, Tommy, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, we've been recently buying some of the cars uh, that I wanted to buy or I've owned when I was a kid just to kind of relive them, and the one I've refused to buy is a 300ZX. ZX twin turbo, because I've been afraid that it's going to wreck the ah. the, the, the kind of, you know, the, the, the image that I have of it. Like, don't meet your heroes again. Um, so out of all those cars under 50k, I would love this car, but I just don't fit. I will say, if I was wanted something a little bit faster, I would get the Mustang GT all day long. How about you, Jay? Are you into the Camaro or Mustang?
3: Definitely the Mustang over the
4: Camaro yeah. because you can get that Mustang GT, the coupe for what? A little over 30 with a 5.0. Yeah, 6-speed manual
2: transmission <laughs> manual, kind of a bare bones all-american muscle car mm-hmm yeah but you know there's and a new one break the bank there's a new one coming so I, I always hate buying ones when there's a new one coming right we've been seen spy photos of it uh and the interior we just rented it in uh yeah but that Hawaii. was a rental car and that thing's was, gonna it was, be it was pretty sad tommy that thing was
3: roached of course it's gonna be pretty it sad <laughs> but i think a yeah base gt fastback starts at 37 yeah right? that's right yeah the five liter coyote that's gonna be a, a heck of a thing just to cruise around in. So if I wanted to go faster than the Miata, I would probably go Mustang. But
4: well, Roman, bear in mind that that five-liter Coyote is probably not gonna stick around after when the seventh generation Mustang arrives. Uh,
3: yeah, that, that, And they're going that, gonna
4: hybridize it. That could be interesting. But it's not be gonna be just naturally aspirated. So like this is the time to get that
3: purest V8- I do like the Supra 2.0 Mustang. though. That's yeah? a fun car. Yeah, we're getting one today, I think. What are we, the uh, Super 2.0? Yeah. We're not buying it. Just well, no, no, we're, we're, <laughs> we're getting a loaner one this week. And um, I, I really, last time I drove it, I was really impressed with it. It's not
2: very fast, and it doesn't sound very good, but it is a fun car to cruise around So none of you would even consider the Z, huh? I, um, and you're not going to have the height problem that I have. Yeah. Especially you, well, Jay. <laughs> thank you.
4: Well, I haven't Sorry. driven the new Z, so yeah. I can't consider it. I mean, I like the looks of it inside and
3: out, but, I mean. You, you know, I'm it? just, the other thing, too, is, and this is just a weird Weird personal thing I have. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of V6 performance engines. I really they don't like,
2: sound good, do they?
3: I really like straight sixes. I love V8s and four cylinders, but I don't know. I just V6 and they just
2: uh, they don't do much for me. We have a video with the exhaust note out there, so if you want to hear it. But yeah, a V6 never sounds well.
3: Well, unless you're like I mean, an it sounds, Alfa Romeo
2: GTV6, and I, and I said that on purpose. It never sounds well. It always sounds a little sick to me, right? It sounds like it's like it's got a bad cold. <laughs> a V8 <laughs> sounds much more healthy. Yeah,
3: I, I did like that. Uh, the other one that would be at the top of my list, though, is I'd probably get a GR86 over this as well. Um,
2: wow we, we just drove that
3: recently And that thing was awesome They really did a good job On the basics. So,
2: so, um, so on this program That we went on Right in Vegas We, we worked me and, uh, Ian our videographer Worked really hard To get all the videos done uh, And then they had Kind of a typical um, You know Catered lunch You know what that is Like you know You want the beef Or you want the chicken Right mm-hmm. So I was on my phone I'm like I think they have In-N-Out burgers in Vegas, and they do. And there was one like eight minutes away. Uh, so we drove a, a bright yellow Z uh, to the In-N-Out burger, and i got to say it made quite the stir. Right. People, people were looking at it. People were pretty impressed. They were especially yellow. Yellow is one of those colors that you either love or hate. Would you agree with that? Yeah, but this is not just any yellow. This is like
3: a is like highlighter green or fluorescent. False. Yes, it's It'll like glow in the dark Yeah, it's not a good yellow
2: But people were looking at it People were like Well, sure They a lot would of look people, at anything in that color There was, a, there was a, a woman who walked up to me And she said her uh, brother had owned one And so she was curious about it I mean, I think Whenever you have an iconic car That like, you know Either you've owned Or somebody you knew has owned It always creates a stir When a new version of it comes out all right, well, should we move on to the next segment? Yes, let's talk about that story. So uh, here, here's a question for you. And, Jay, could you read this story? It was on CNN. Yeah, uh, this so, is go for it.
4: a little disgusting, but will let you guys think about this. Yep, um, because
2: I want to I know. Here's a question I want to know. How important is your phone to you, and is it as important as it was to this woman? So read the story.
4: Okay, the headline is, Fire crews rescue Washington woman after she falls headfirst into a toilet. <laughs> yeah. If you think hiking stinks, get a load of this. A woman was rescued by two fire crews after she fell headfirst into a vault toilet while trying to retrieve her cell phone at a park on Olympic Peninsula, Washington State. Hmm. The woman in her mid-40s was using an outhouse on Mount Walker, which is a popular destination for hikers apparently, uh, earlier this month when the accident occurred uh, according to the uh, local fire department basically a vault toilet is a waterless non-flush toilet usually placed at outdoor locations like campgrounds so named because the toilets store waste in an airtight vault underground after dropping her phone in the toilet the woman disassembled the seat and housing of the toilet in an attempt to reach it the (laughs) fire department said on facebook (laughs) it gets better or worse she used a dog leash to try to quote fish it out (laughs) before using it to support herself as she tried to grab the phone. Uh, But the attempt failed and she slid into the toilet. Uh, Fortunately for her, after about 20 minutes inside the vault, she was able to find her phone and use it to call 911. There you go. Uh, The crews from the local fire department reported to the scene and they quickly pulled her to safety. Uh, According to the department, uh, the uninjured woman was washed down and given... uh, Tyvek suit to wear, but she declined any further medical treatment and continued on her way. The department said the patient was extremely fortunate not to be overcome by toxic gases or sustained
2: injury. So so here's my question to you boys. Uh, if you dropped your phone into a vault toilet, how important? Is it to you, was it important enough for you to actually do what this woman did, and that is reach down into one of these gross, disgusting toilets to retrieve it? Or would you just say, like, ah?
3: Well, wouldn't you go out and, like,
2: get some kind of implement to dig it out with, like one of those little bulb changers? Yeah, but by that point, other people may have used it and gotten it, you know. I mean, I I I, I assume if you drop it, it's sitting on top of the... Right. Uh... (laughs) On top of stuff we, yeah, exactly, yeah. Whereas if you run out to get an implement, there'll be other people.
3: <laughs> you know, I, I think this is a generational thing. Okay. Because you were astonished by this story. Uh, yeah. I for one was not that astonished by the story, because I know I know people my age that do some truly amazing things to recover their phone from
2: uh, precarious situations. So are you saying you would go in that
3: toilet and get it? I personally wouldn't, but I like I know people that have dropped their phones on roller coasters, right, and then they have to stop the rides to get it. I know people that drop their phones in the canyons and then they have to go into the canyon to
2: get it. So I'm not I think that maybe there's a little bit of a disconnect here between the generations. All right, Jay, uh, you're not my generation, and you're certainly not Tommy's. You're somewhere in between. You're in the middle. middle, Wait, middle. Were you <laughs>
3: astonished by the story, or were you kind of like, eh? I think it's absolutely
4: disgusting, and I would have just said, <laughs> screw it. I'll get a new phone later, and I would have enjoyed hiking without anyone bothering me on my phone.
3: Yeah, but keep in mind, have you seen the prices on these phones? I know. I really mean, iPhones are going to be a 1000 bucks, bucks in some, at some cases. At least nowadays, yes. Yeah, so right. you're also protecting your investment.
4: Yeah. Well, I, I don't have an, an expensive smartphone, <laughs> and, for, and it's probably for reasons just like that. I'm not expecting to drop into a toilet, but things happen.
2: Yeah, but don't you have, like, like bank access on your phone? Don't you do, like, online banking? Yeah, but it's, worried all, about it's that? all
4: password It's all password protected. protected. Yeah. And,
2: and has well, it has my fingerprint when, when, ID. who knows when a bit of solid something falls on it, maybe it'll, you know, maybe it'll go bzzz, and then the password goes away. Well, I, mean, I don't not, know. I
4: wouldn't really be worried if
2: my phone fell in a toilet,
4: if somebody would fish it out just to get my bank password. Yeah, that is not, that is the I least of concerns. that concerns. I just don't see that
2: More concerned about the fecal matter on the phone. Um, they, be, I don't know if I could. The problem there is, look, I, I'd want the phone because, like, I feel like my life's on it. But I could never put that phone to my face again.
3: Well, here's the thing, though. Did you know they say yeah, that? Yeah, that's another uh, point. They say that your your phone has more bacteria and diseases on it than a typical toilet seat. And now well, it's gonna this have even more. <laughs> yeah. Now it's just got slightly more. So I'm not really sure. And new phones are mostly waterproof. Just clean the puppy off, and off you go. They
2: are water. It's true. They are waterproof. Yeah, they're they're water resistant. And, and those those little like uh, disinfecting wipes are everywhere because of COVID nowadays. And you know you That's can true. you can also wipe a phone as well now. And, 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 I, and I've got uh, I've so. got in my case I would throw that case away. So well, sure. So why did you bring this up? What does this have to do with cars? Well, it has nothing to do with cars. But I was wondering how far you would go to actually retrieve a phone. You were this astonished by the poop phone story. I was, yeah. Huh. I was. I, I, how important have phones gotten a lives? You see, rise. I saw that and I I, I was like. Eh. Yeah, that sounds about right. Like, I, I could <laughs> see, like, okay, my generation, right? We probably would have, like, dropped a wallet in there. Right. And wallet has money in it. Sure. And I would probably go in there to get the money because it's money, right? Mm-hmm. Depends how much money's in there. And credit cards. Yeah. But now all that stuff is actually on your phone. But it's all password protected. Okay. And you can
3: wipe your phone as well from your computer, typically, right? I don't know. Can you? Yeah. If you yeah. lost your yeah. phone, I could go
2: into your... You could find my iPhone how, and wipe how you it. You wipe my phone remotely. You yeah, can. for sure. All right. Absolutely. All right. Anyway, I think we've done enough of the uh, the phone. Let's talk about some more cars um, Tommy you got to go and drive the uh, new sportage
3: I did yes so the all-new 2023 Kia Sportage um, it's a it's a hugely popular vehicle for Kia and they're actually I don't know if they did it but they were trying to set an all-time record this month for the most sportages ever sold so they actually introduced the the sportage a little while ago and just hit dealers um, I, I think in March they were saying uh, but yeah I drove the new one and I also drove the um, hybrid model so they've got they've got two now so the hybrid hybrid models coming here shortly.
2: And then there's also a naturally aspirated one. And that video is now including driving impressions on alltfl.com. and I watched it and I saw that you were uh, doing a collab with Sophion. Yes, we did a collab and we took it off-road. They built out a pretty cool little off-road course and we drove
3: something called the X-Pro which is the off-road model. Did you know, actually, I didn't know this. There's been five generations of Sportage and the first one I think was one of the only vehicles, if not the only vehicle, what What did they say, to complete both Baja and Dakar in the same year.
2: I did not know that. And the Kia Sportage?
3: You? The Kia Sportage.
2: What and year was this?
3: This was the 90, I think they said 93? It was like mid-90s. It was right when they launched it. Yeah, it was probably the first one. Yeah, so the first Sportage was this little itty bitty tiny thing that looks like a Tupperware container. And um, apparently they competed both in Baja and Dakar in it.
2: Now, uh, in case you're wondering uh, who Sofian is, he's with Redline Reviews. Yep. Uh, So he's another YouTuber. I just wanted to get that out there. And how was it off-road, Tommy? Well, it
3: was surprisingly good. So the X-Pro has has, uh, 8.3 inches of ground clearance, and then the X-Pro also has BFGs on it. So they gave it something called the Trail Terrain Tire, which is a... Uh, pretty uh, aggressive all-terrain for the car. So it was very, very cool that they actually went ahead and wanted to show us what it could do. So we went up some really steep hills, we went down some steep hills, did a lot of articulation, uh, did some ground clearance testing, and it was uh, pretty impressive for what it is. Now the issue is the X-Pro gives you like the all-terrain tires, but it doesn't really give you all that much more in terms of Um, technology, so it's not like you get any special modes, you don't get extra ground clearance, you don't get skid plates, so it really is a tire group. And then the question is, it's a $4,000 option up on top of like an X line, and is it really worth four grand for wheels and tires? I would probably say no, but uh, yeah, it was good. And then of course the other weird thing is the X-Pro, the offered one, is Mm -hmm. only available in the naturally aspirated engine. And if you want the turbo model with the hybrid system, you can't get it in that cool model. But yeah, I drove the uh, the turbo hybrid and they did something interesting, just like the the Tucson. They have a model that's not only a hybrid, but also turbo with a six speed automatic.
2: So it's hmm. pretty cool. You know, uh, we got an email this morning and I don't think uh, uh, Jay has seen this one yet or you have. Have you seen it? Somebody wrote that they uh, missed their Sportage. They, they, they sold their old Sportage. And traded it in on a Subaru, and they were saying that their actually Sportage was better off-road than a Subaru. I did see really? that. Yeah. But good news for them, there's plenty of Sportages out there. Are they there? want to go back. I bring that up because I think people don't realize that Sportages are actually pretty good off-road. Yes, they do. They, they are pretty good. Mm. And I also want to point out something
3: else interesting. I drove a hybrid with something called the Shadow, uh, uh, Shadow Matte Gray Paint. And now you can get a Sportage with a matte paint job. So wow. I asked the product planner, I said, so what are the what are the care uh, techniques? Because you figure like a sportage is going to be used in car washes and like by kids and that kind of thing. And I thought maybe it would be like more durable than like a Porsche matte paint job. Nope, you can't take it through automated car washes. You can't pressure wash it. You can't, um, oh, there's a bunch of them. You can't let birds poop on it. Yeah, good luck doing that. Um, Yes, and the Sportage. So if you want the matte paint job, there's a ton of care stuff you have to do. So to clean it, you have to wash it by hand with a soft touch um, cloth. But Tommy, how much does the matte paint job cost? It's only 600 bucks. So really, it's pretty reasonable. But then your life is going to be revolving around keeping this matte paint. All right, so do you guys know what the problem is with matte paint? Well, if you rub up against it, it gets shiny. Tommy just said it, pretty much. Yeah, it doesn't buff
2: out, basically. No. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this was was actually
3: the most interesting thing he told me, which I'd never even considered. Apparently, it's impossible to paint match matte paint. So if you get Uh a, a door scratch on the driver's side door, you have to repaint the entire left side of the car. So you have to repaint the front fender, the driver door, the rear door, and the rear fender to get it all to match, right? That must be terrible, just like with, like, little paint chips you get Could from you stones imagine? on the highway. And the thing is, like, it's one thing being able to care for a matte paint job on, like, a high-end Porsche or high-end BMW. But on a Kia, that's pretty nuts.
2: Yeah, that that 150,000-mile Kia with the matte paint is going to look pretty good. 150,000-mile, yeah. So that's, that's a, that's used a one. really uh, time-intensive $600 extra. <laughs> yes, it's $600 to make your life a... A, a paint well, well, correction specialist. Well, well, here's the issue, right? With matte paint, let's say a bird does happen to take a dump on your new Kia, right? Right. And then you go and you wipe it off. If you do it, like, too aggressively, uh, you will shiny up the matte paint. And yes. You're going to have a shiny spot on the matte, yes. which is going to look, like I said, a hundred miles from now pretty right. pretty bad when you've done that all over the car. And then you have to repaint the whole side of the car to get it to match Same again. problem with bugs, I take it. I didn't ask about bugs, but they, the, I
3: did ask about bird poop, and they said you got to get what it out there. The, the, shadow it gray. It's like a dark gray.
2: Like, the, like a laptop. Kind of like your laptop.
3: Yeah, a little darker than that, but yeah. pretty much. Okay. Yeah, but uh, it was a really good car. Um, it has a, a curved digital instrument cluster in the top end trims. Okay. Hyundai and Kia do something really bizarre, though. They do this thing where if you want wireless Apple CarPlay and wireless Android Auto, you have to get the base model. So you have to get the small screen if you want the wireless functionality. If you get the big screen and the curved displays, they look fantastic, but then it's wired Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. Yep, and we kept grilling them and then they
2: got grumpy and they said we're not answering any more questions on the subject. That's interesting, <laughs> actually. So I'm gonna, do a huh. of, I'm gonna do a little bit of a rant here, guys, because uh, I, I've been driving our long-term uh, Hyundai Santa Cruz Uh, And by the way, I really like that car. Um, It's um, you know it's surprisingly uh, much more trucky than one would think. You know, it's supposed to be kind of a lifestyle car, right? So the Santa Cruz uh, is a little trucklet that competes with the Ford Maverick, uh, and uh, um, Hyundai was kind enough to loan it to us for a year. So it's become kind of our shop truck, and I took it to the airport last week uh, twice. Uh, to go on, you know, various different programs, including the Z and the C class, which we'll get to. But uh, we've got not the top model, but the one underneath it. Do you know what model that is, Tom? Do you know what the official name of that
3: uh, spec is? It's, it's, oh yes. So we've got the so we have the SEL Premium, yep, which is uh, I think it goes SC, SCL, SCL Premium and then
2: Limited. So I'm on the highway and I'm, I'm you know curious to see how good uh, the driver's, driver's assistance package stuff is, right? Uh, so normally when you've got, uh, like, let's say you have a Tesla and you've got autopilot, it, you, you hit one button and the car stays in its lane and then it stays at the given speed limit, whatever speed limit you want. And uh, then it has also proximity control or automatic distance control. So if you come up to a car or truck, it'll slow down to keep you, you know, that same distance behind it. And for some reason, uh, this Santa Cruz has only two of those three things. So it'll keep you in your lane. It has uh, cruise control, but it doesn't have the proximity distance control. Well, it doesn't have adaptive cruise control. It doesn't have adaptive cruise control. Uh, so uh, I found that to be relatively dangerous because now I'm assuming that the car is going to brake when I, you know, come speeding up behind a truck. And guess what? Well, that sounds it enti- doesn't sounds entirely like user error. No, it doesn't Why would
3: you expect it to have one but not the other?
2: Cuz cuz they're kind of being packaged now, right? And every other car, even our Subaru that we that we had, right? The Crosstrek. Yes. They're packaged as one driver assistance program, like like autopilot on a Tesla. No, I've got a but, but now there's three really there's three different systems and one of them isn't there. And so you expect the vehicle to kind of drive well, the, itself, the but two, it doesn't. The two
3: main ones, there's really two main ones. There's adaptive cruise control and lane centering. Those are your two primary highway adaptive systems, right? And um, what, so what Tesla does is you, you have two different levels. You turn once for adaptive cruise control and twice for lane centering. So if you want lane centering you have to have depth of cruise control and I actually think this is an advantage of the Hyundai. I don't think it is. I think it's dangerous. With, with the Hyundai you can drive around on other roads and still use lane centering but still use your pedals which
2: shorter. I find extremely
3: like no, frustrating. No, I do like it a lot. Like for example, going out to the ranch you've got these long kind of never ending straight uh, Country roads, yeah. where I wouldn't use the adaptive function of cruise control because cars could pull out in front of you. But I do like having that peace of mind of lane centering just in case. Um, so I actually do think it's a really handy thing, and very few vehicles
2: offer the ability to disconnect I, the I, two. I, I disagree. I think it's dangerous. I think you're expecting the car to slow down when there's a slower vehicle ahead of you, and it just balls right into it. But why would you it.
3: expect that? To because happen? because I mean you would expect because it to the car happen. is just
2: driving itself, right? To me, driving itself. Well, means first of all, it's, it's steering itself. It's right? not
3: driving itself. I mean, it it still is level two. You still have have to have your hand on the wheel at but, all but, but, times,
2: but it's 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 approximately driving itself, right? So you it'll it'll go around bends on its own. And Not really. If you go any more than like a ten degree bend, it turns off. So you got to be. It's it's really an assistance feature. <sighs> I'm just saying, Tommy, you, you expect the car to drive itself, and you just automatically expect that for. A car of $35,000 that has that feature would always also have the adaptive cruise control, which it doesn't. And so, you know, you're kind of driving along and you're like, oh, there's a car in front of me, a truck. I think it's going to slow down. And next thing you know, you're almost hitting the thing because it doesn't slow down. Well, that's because you're using the system wrong. I mean, the reason you're expecting. Uh, no. no so time, imagine oh, this. No, whoa, 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 whoa. Take a big step back there. you <laughs> it in. You, know, that, you I, are using the I, system wrong. I hate rock. that when you blame the victim instead of the the, the you know the, well, the criminal all, or the disease. Right. This this right. to me sounds a lot like oh you know uh, you know you wouldn't be as fat as, as you are if you ate less. You know. <laughs> I mean, that, 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 that. So take a big step back there before you say I'm using the system wrong.
3: Well, you are. First of all, you're relying on it way too heavily as a as like a self-driving system. It's
2: only an assistance not, feature. I, I am. I am. I am. I am not relying. And on I too also heavily. think
3: you are not a good person to talk about this. You know why? Why? Because you drive every loaded car on the market that has adaptive cruise control. So you have gotten painfully used to it. A timing, but oh, if you, did hey, you have, can I finish what I'm going to say? Yeah. Can I please finish? No. If you gave it to someone like my mom, who has never used
2: adaptive cruise control, she wouldn't think oh. twice about it. D- did you hear what I just said? What? I said our $23,000 Subaru Crosstrek had it. Sure. $23,000, and every Toyota, yes. every Honda, yeah. they all come standard with it now as part of Toyota's 2.0, Yep. right? So so I am not driving the Lamborghinis of the world as you're implying that, that automatically right. have it. I'm talking about a $23,000 Subaru Crosstrek that has it. I still think you'll find there's a lot of folks out there that's never, once touched
3: adaptive cruise control and they wouldn't expect it to break and that away. would be me yeah and i was go. just gonna i was
4: waiting for the moment to jump in please do because you have a cross track i do i have a brand new 2022 cross track sport mm-hmm. and it's got the eyesight yeah all that standard i tried it i don't like it i go. like i call call me old school that's fine i like to drive i agree i like to be in control i, do. I don't like even when i was a teenager learning to drive I didn't even like cruise control. Yeah. Standard cruise. I just like to be in control of the vehicle. No, I, like,
3: I like the lane centering because on a long trip, it kind of helps you out just a little bit. But when I'm on a road trip, I don't use adaptive cruise control because I had a really bad experience with it once. And ever since then, I don't well, really You, you can't it. just throw
2: that out there. What happened?
3: Well, you had a similar bad experience. Uh, it was in a Tesla and it went into full emergency braking because the adaptive cruise control thought an overpass was a wall. And you almost got rear-ended, right? And ever since then, I don't really trust the um, someone else, a computer, to be relying on the brakes. Tommy, I, me, I trust me. Yeah, I agree. I trust Jay, too. We need Thank Jay, you. Jay, assist, assist. So Jay, you want
2: to drive me to the airport <laughs> <time? laughs> <laughs> Anyway, yeah. I just
3: think it's a slippery slope, because if you start relying on this stuff as full driving technology, that's when you're gonna get into the big accident. Uh,
2: autopilot, full self-driving.
3: Yes, exactly. Yeah, those are going great. That's yeah. horrible. I think no there's a problems whatsoever. terrible piece of marketing. Yeah, exactly right. So I'd like the, to be able to disconnect adaptive cruise. Now to your point, if it wanted to be competitive with Toyota, it should have standard adaptive cruise. Hyundai's kind of funky like that. I think it has standard lane centering, if I remember right. Actually, I know it does because I was just in a base Elantra that had standard lane centering, but not
2: adaptive cruise. Um, so it's kind of funky uh, that they go I'm that I'm just way. telling you, Tommy, uh, uh, you know, don't blame the victim, blame the technology. Well, the government uh, would blame the victim. Uh, 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 it's worth noting. If no, you, no, if the government actually will blame the driver. Yes, which is what you call the victim. You're the driver in that right. call it, but, Yeah, you insurance but, but, company. But, but hold up here a second. Hold up, gentlemen. I, 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 I wager that there will be people who will, using the system, uh, potentially or definitely rear-end another car because they will be expecting, right, For the car to slow down when you're having the steering wheel steer for itself and it won't and it's going to create litigation i'm just telling you you know oftentimes when you know when we see a problem we get to see it first and then we wait a little bit and then next thing you know you know there are stories out there where the where the thing has actually done the thing that we're afraid of have you seen any any stories like it's too early yet. No, it is not. That
3: system has yeah. been around for quite a long time. I, a I think, no,
2: because you have to you have to have you have to have the complete proliferation of.
3: But here's the thing. I mean, Hun- it's just
2: starting to proliferate. Right
3: uh, now. I'm not so sure that because Hyundai's have been using this exact system for quite a number of.
2: of um, no, no, I'm not saying Hyundai owners. I'm saying let's say you just let's say you had like Jay has, uh, Crosstrek, and you're used to having the system. Also have as part of the suite of, I'm doing air quotes here, self-driving technology, you're used to having it slow down when there's a car in front of it, and then you get into Hyundai and you turn it on and it looks and smells and feels just like the other one, right? The only thing that's missing is uh, it doesn't have the little icon that shows you how far you want to stay behind the car in front of you. So you turn it on, the start steering for itself, cruise control sets itself, and you're just happily driving along, paying attention, and then there's a slower truck in front of you and BAM! Well, important note, cruise control doesn't set itself.
3: You have to to tell it to turn it on. Of course. I don't think it's going to be a a, a big issue. Um, And I think if it is an issue, that is the driver's fault. Because at the end of the day, it's the driver's responsibility. to be It is the driver who engaged that system. They 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 are in in full control of that automobile. And it's their, their...
2: their job to be well w- well when when hyundai's attorneys call you up because they've listened to this podcast and there's <laughs> there's litigation and you, you could be the test you could be the expert yeah you know person who testifies that it's the driver's I mean, fault it, and not the it's not happened the car's but fault. but
4: don't some of these cars have like like in airplanes like these little like black boxes full of data yes they so absolutely like if do. You do yes this goes to litigation and the owner says hey i use the system correctly I mean, we'll when Tesla's black box. Yeah, exactly we'll when Tesla's Tesla.
3: crash, right? Do they is it the, is it the company that that gets in trouble or is it the driver? There's so much litigation around there right now. But usually it goes to the driver at fault, and that's why Tesla has that little disclaimer, the, right?
2: There is a lot of litigation, and there's in fact uh, a candidate now. This is the latest news running in California, uh, only on Tesla self-driving. That is the candidate's only. Uh, It doesn't surprise me. Yeah, only platform, basically saying that Tesla has built and created a a vehicle that is dangerous and should be... uh, Legislated, uh, so uh, you know there's a lot going on around this. Anytime you have new technology, obviously it takes time for people to adopt and adapt to it. It takes time for it to proliferate throughout the entire car market. You know, the average person is not driving a new car, obviously, right? They're driving older cars. But I found it to be uh, disconcerting, and I was paying attention. And I think it's gonna it's gonna create or will potentially create issues. Anyway, we've we've certainly you know, beat that dog to death? Well,
3: the other thing, too, um, you have to consider is doesn't that Santa Cruz have automatic emergency braking? So even if you were coming up on a truck and you forgot, wouldn't it slam on its brakes?
2: I think the, it has automatic emergency braking. Yeah, I think it's up. To, I'm the, not the sure. The forward collision
3: avoidance assist.
2: I'm not sure. Does it work up to like highway it speeds? It should work at
3: any speed. Yeah, because the mini st- w- w- started to freak out the other day when I pulled up on a car too fast did on it? the highway. I, I don't know. Maybe it will Yeah, it didn't hit point. the brakes, but it did go into the full. You know what I really hate though is when the
4: system, like the lane centering, takes effect a little prematurely. Yeah, when you're like. A few centimeters well, away and all of a sudden the steering wheel just well, like, well it's interesting right back, and here's and where it also like
3: gets confusing because there's two different technologies at, at play here there's like lane keeping right which will nudge you back if you start to leave the lane yes. and then there's lane centering which is designed to keep you in the middle of right. the lane for for kind of right. um the assistance side of it
2: all right so what you're saying tommy is if it has and I, this is now we're just speculating so let's not you know, so, please don't. If you're an attorney and you're representing somebody who got in this accident, please don't. So call here's us let me let me let me tell you what Hyundai calls it. So there's lane keeping
3: assist, uh, which warns you through audio and visual cues if your vehicle drifts out of its lane. And then there's what we're talking about, which is called highway drive assist, which um, is uh, the thing that keeps you centered in your lane. Or is that lane follow assist? Using the front view camera to detect this <laughs> See, Features assists the driver's steering. That's lane. Uh, it's so very, very confusing. Systems here. It's hard to keep track of like, with, well, well, with here, those what does what sometimes. Here is,
2: here, okay, so if you play this out logically, right? So you're saying it's got autonomous braking, right? Yeah. All right, so you're driving along, and you don't have adaptive cruise control. Because the car doesn't have it. Because the car doesn't have it. But it's got lane centering, mm-hmm. uh, and it's got cruise control. Yeah. So you're driving along, and you expect the car to brake... And you pull up behind a truck and the car doesn't brake until emergency. Yes, that could happen. Uh, emergency braking. Yes. Right? Right, in which yeah. case, the little old lady driving the CRV behind you slams into you. Yes, that's <laughs> correct.
3: Yeah, exactly. But that's correct, there's a possibility. But right, because
2: you just slammed down your brakes. Right. But she should have kept distance. In but the why are you one. relying
3: on the car to do your braking when you don't have adaptive cruise
2: control? That's just stupid. I I, did, I expected it to do it and it wouldn't. Well that's do your it. fault. You
3: should have you should have paid more attention. It doesn't have that it doesn't have any of the, the features that it should have for adaptive cruise. It doesn't have the distance control. There's no way to adjust the distance. Right. So that should have been a good hint to you, huh?
2: This car doesn't have adaptive cruise control. I'm I'm just saying, Tommy, you know, I'm very I'm pretty good at technology and this came as a bit of a surprise and I found it a little disconcerting. We gotta get you out of S classes.
3: No, you know, no, no, uh-huh, or Hyundai Santa Cruz yeah, yeah, we gotta uh, gotta get you into more mm mm-hmm. uh-huh, A Miata. Yeah, get you a Miata, exactly. That doesn't have a... Yeah, just then you drive
2: it. uh, In other news, uh, I finally washed the car, Uh uh, and I was curious to see if that Tanau Tanau cover Uh uh, actually uh, was waterproof. Right. Uh, So I I drove it through a car wash, and then afterwards I opened it up, and it was pretty waterproof. There was just a little bit of, like, dripping, Mm. but I felt like if I had my luggage in there, it would have been okay.
3: Well, is that waterproof then?
2: No, it's water-resistant. Yes.
3: I was going to say, if you were in a submarine and there was just a little bit of dripping, you'd probably be pretty alarmed. But it's got this built-in alarmed. cover, right? <laughs> and,
2: and you wonder if, if, like, you're, let's say you're going to the airport and you're picking up your friend and your friend's friend, right? And there's three of you and there's no room for luggage, you throw it in the bed of the truck if you can actually use that cover on a day like today where it's raining. And I think you might be able to. So I was pretty impressed. There was, like, a little drip of water that got through, but not bad. Is okay. it to
4: no cover uh
3: factory OEM yeah, or it's OEM, it
2: comes from the it comes from the factory well, like good
3: that. No. Yeah. yeah. It's a good system. That's a really it's a really good little truck. They did a good job. Yeah, it, we've been using it actually as a truck. And it's equipped with a really good brake pedal, which I recommend you use more frequently.
2: Well, it so, works fantastic. so so Jay and I, we're doing this new series um where we're gonna try to build our own uh E twenty eight M five. You wanna talk about that? Um Yes, that's so, the first generation of m five. And Tommy, we've come up with the name for it. Okay. And this was jay's idea. jays what's what's the name for the series?
4: I actually already forgot. (laughs) I'm sorry. That was like
2: a week ago. Did you know that when that car came out, Uh which was, I think, in '84? Yes. It was the world's fastest sedan. Oh, that's right. Um, Okay. So we're going to call the series the world's fastest sedan. Okay. Which it was. Well, it's going to be about as fast as like 35 years uh, ago.
3: Yeah, an entry level RAV4 ordered on it.
2: (laughs) No, it's not going to be as fast as an entry. It's got a 280 horsepower. Engine, which is yeah, that, which a rav 4 is,
3: in the Prime 80s. would beat it. RAV4 prime, yeah, no, it was zero,
2: it. zero to 60 in like six and a half seconds originally. Yeah, a four, is allegedly,
3: but no, th- this, no. is no, yeah, this is 1987. You're talking about this is a long time ago, like just to give you. Yeah, yeah, an, so, an, I
2: have a, I have a theory. Hold, hold, let me let me explain this before you okay. have a the theory. So, we bought we bought a BMW, a 1987 BMW. M5, except it wasn't. Do you want to, you want to tell the story of this car? Yes. Okay. It's tell a, a story. 535. Yes. Um, with an M Sport package. A Japanese domestic, which we never
3: got in the states. But basically, it's uh, it looks like an M5 it's got the m badging on it it's got the body kit it's got a limited slipper diff uh but it has the m30 straight six which only had like 180 horsepower versus the japanese m5 which should have had like 256. so so somebody
2: and in japan because it's more prestigious the expensive cars are left-hand drive which is good because when you bring it to america uh then it works better you can go to the starbucks Uh uh anyway so somebody brought it in thinking it was an m5 and then they were very sorely disappointed to find out that it wasn't. Right. It looked like an M5, but it wasn't. Well, they should have looked at the engine, and they would have figured <laughs> <they should have laughs> out wrongly assumed, and yeah. they got so, stuck so, with it. so then they sold it uh-huh. to somebody here in Boulder. This guy in Boulder bought it, Yep. Uh, and he decided, because the Japanese car had an automatic, that he was going to actually transplant the automatic with a manual. So yeah. he, he, he put in the manual, and this mm-hmm. guy named Mark who is a master BMW mechanic, did the work for him. Yep. And then uh, he decided that he wanted to... Well, his wife decided that he needs to either keep his BMW uh, GS or the... M5-ish looking car, and he wanted to keep the GS, so he sold it to us for $18,000. Yes. And we decided that since we're already two-thirds of the way to an M5... By the way, you know how many M5s they built? I looked it up. 2,000. Yes, 2,000. Yeah, it's a little only bit 2000.
4: More. 2,000. 2,441,
2: I think. Yeah. Uh, Am I right? Yeah, it's about just over 2,000. Yeah. Um, we thought, why not like build our own M5? And so I, I talked to Mark, the mechanic, and I said, we need to find an engine for it. And there were Two different engines. You want to talk about the engines that went into it?
3: Yeah, I mean, there were, so in the M5s, there was the M88, which was like the European engine, um, which was basically a a non-catalyst engine with 280 horsepower. It had more, it had higher compression. And it had a, but it had a single row timing chain, which was a big flaw in it. And then in the US, we got the S38 version of the motor, which had a a dual row timing chain. um, And then it had a catalyst and it was like 250 horsepower. So it was down like 30. And then that S38 engine continued into the... um, Second generation. Yeah, the E34 M5 as well.
2: Or, or the uh, M6, which came along. Yes, that would have been the same yes, engine, same yeah. basic engine. Yeah. So, so if it had been American spec, it would have had another difference, and that is it would have had symmetrical headlights. So the there's four headlights in the car, and the European ones had the inner headlights were smaller than the outer lights. Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, and so we've got the European headlights, and we've got the European bumpers, which right. are cooler. So we've got the cool bumper, we've got the cool headlights, Uh, And then because of Mark, we were able to find an original M88 engine, which potentially that car would have had, uh, that was sitting at a shop in uh, San San Diego for like 15 years on the floor.
3: Well, you say it would have had it. Yes. The European one would have had would it. Would have had it, yeah, which but was the
2: one they imported. To the ch-
3: Japanese one, I think, would have had uh, S38s because Japan had really strict emissions I standards. don't think they imported the first-gen. They engine. may not have imported right. the M5 at right. all.
2: So the car we would have had with the with the bumper and the headlights would have had the M88 power plant. Yes. It wouldn't have had the American power plant. Right, right. Uh, and so we found one of these engines uh, in San Diego. Mark found it for us. Uh, and uh, it had been sitting on the, the shop floor, in San Diego, and um, this is a long way to get back to the Hyundai, but we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting come. there. It'll make sense. It'll make sense in a second. Yeah. So we found it, and we sent Alex and Case to go pick it up, which they did, uh, and brought it back, and we paid eight and a half thousand dollars for that power plant, which seems like a lot, but I feel like M5s are probably going for like fifty k. So right now we're at eighteen thousand dollars for the car and eight and a half thousand dollars for the for the plant and then me and jay loaded it up into the santa cruz uh That's which right. uh, and, and mark thinks the engine weighs about 500 pounds
4: yeah, roughly. Uh, and it,
2: yeah it did really well so we put it in the santa cruz couldn't shut the tailgate uh and drove it to mark where we unloaded it uh and mark uh immediately uh took the uh header off and tell him what we found jay uh it was blue the header or the head the head Sorry. okay yeah, yeah. well it was painted blue. Part
4: was the engine, <laughs> it was, painted the engine painted was
2: painted blue, which was a, a, a I guess that was because of a pretty well known BMW tuner. Uh, but uh, we found that actually inside it all looked pretty good. Pretty good, yeah, considering its age and it just sat for a long time. But Mark Mark said something which was a little terrifying, and it turned out to be uh, unfortunately a, a bearer of bad news. He saw that the engine had no spark plugs. Yeah. So what do you think happens to an engine that sits by the ocean for like 15 years with no spark plugs?
3: Well, why did they take the spark plugs out in the first no place? We, no that's idea. also an alarming... We were puzzled, too. No clue. We had no idea. Yeah. So, so
2: Mark took the engine apart uh-huh. uh, and found out that the pistons were rusted. Yes, that sounds about right. And uh, unfortunately, that's expensive. But fortunately, he knew the guy from the shop we bought it from, and he's going to cover the cost of... of Either fixing or I don't know how they're going to fix the pistons, but they're going to redo the pistons. Uh, so we're going to have to rebuild the engine. But I kind of expected that.
3: Right, and we're still missing like a lot of wiring on it. Today.
2: No, it came with the wiring. So how the wiring harness there. Yeah. Um, now and, and, and there's something else to cool. Right. Tell them what happened when we took uh, when we took apart uh, Jay the the little box, the little computer box. It was still functional. Yeah, but what, what was in the box? What was cool about it? It had a special little chip. Okay. Oh. Jay <laughs> doesn't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so we took apart the little computer box, right? Yep. Uh, and inside was a chip, and guess what? It, what it said on the chip? Uh, what? It, it oh what? was Oh, it, it that's Right? Yeah. yeah. It's been shifted. Very cool. So uh, Mark thinks that engine is probably putting out more like 300 horsepower.
3: So. This is, unfortunately, one thing that we'll never be able to... So it will never be quite worth what an M5 will be Of course, like. it's a monster right. Frankenstein M5. Like, did you know, where was, where's the 5 Series built? This is an interesting... Fling. But not the M5. Where was the Ding... So <laughs> ours was built in Dingolfing. Okay. <laughs> um, and then they also, they also built them in knockdown kits in Roslyn, South Africa. Um, but oh, right. uh, all, M, all 5 Series were built in Dingleflink, except for the 5 Series, which was I hand... As- the M5 have. was hand-assembled at a special motorsports plant in, um, um, I can't even say the word. It's in Munich. It's um, That's the, good enough. Munchen? No. The, 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 the Prusenstrasse in Munich. Prusenstrasse. Yeah. Well,
2: wh- where was the engine built? Um, I don't know where they built the M88s and the S38s. So there are are some other differences between ours eventually when we finish it. Uh, First and foremost, the M5 had this trick suspension. It was like a self-leveling suspension Mm -hmm. uh, that everybody tears out of it because they all fail. Okay. Uh, And then the other difference is uh, they had power seats. They had one of the first, like, power seats. Oh, really? And ours has manual seats, manual sports seats. And I
3: think in North America, weren't all the M5s black on tan
2: there were there were yeah there was maybe two colors
3: there was think, black and white or something I think they were no I think all, all the M5s were, were black, black on yeah, tan yeah. yeah I want to say that's true, anyways it'll be a fun series but the Santa Cruz held the engine pretty well huh yeah yeah
4: it drove fine I was in the front passenger seat. Didn't even feel
2: like we were hauling something like that. Yeah, yeah, and, and speaking of self leveling suspension, the uh, Hyundai Santa Cruz also has self leveling suspension. It does. Yeah, yeah in the rear, yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, so when we put five hundred pounds in the back, it that kind of went, <laughs> and then it just you know was happy. It didn't like it. Didn't squat a lot. And uh, considering that that truck let or truck has fourteen hundred pounds of payload, that's pretty impressive.
3: You know where the M eighty eight came from, right?
2: Where the M one. That's right, you're yeah, right. Yeah, so that's another bit of trivia that Jay looked up. Uh, you remember, Jay, the, the, the only other quote-unquote exotic car that's a lower production car than the E28 M5 is what, Jay? The M1. The M1. Hm,
3: there
2: you go. Yeah. It's pretty special. That's pretty special,
4: yeah.
3: Well.
2: Yeah, that's what Wiki, that's what Wiki says. You're going to argue with Wiki?
3: Yeah. Because the E36 M3 lightweight was fewer production. No, it just no. But it's a, no, not, now
2: you're now you're looking at a <laughs> like model. Like the Evo models, I oh, think were oh, probably. But those are sub-models. No, I'm, in general. Oh, okay. Right. The E28 M5 is the lowest production uh, uh, BMW outside of the original M1.
3: There you go. That's pretty
4: cool. Yeah, that is cool. a cool. Even Mark piece, was pretty impressed.
2: Cool by piece what he of saw. trivia. Yeah, and you know uh, it was pretty cool getting pulling that engine out, and we're gonna mm-hmm. uh, do a lot to it. Um, the one thing we don't have are uh, the exhaust, the headers. We have the headers, but we don't. Actually we actually don't have the headers. Don't we don't have headers. Do we have headers? headers? No. Have headers I don't on? think it has headers. I don't think it. we have those now. Nope. No, so we need headers and we need an exhaust. Uh, and uh, Mark suggested that we make it pretty free flowing. Okay. I think that's a good idea. Is he going
3: to help us find headers? Yeah, yeah, you, headers? Can get them. you can get headers. Okay. For
2: it. Uh, they're expensive. They're like two thousand dollars. Yeah, I was gonna say it's pretty pricey. And, and the coolest thing about that car, if you guys can't picture it, uh, it's got those two little round exhausts that come out the back, and they're centered, right? So there's like these two little, let's say they're maybe like fifty half dollar size exhausts that are you know, stuck pretty close together that come right out the middle of yeah. the thing, and that's what makes it special in my mind. Besides the fact that it's you know the world's fastest sedan.
4: Okay. It's gonna be a cool project, especially
2: even yeah, more so, once it's done. So the plan is we're gonna like take the car we have, we're gonna benchmark it, take it to the track, do a quarter mile, do zero to sixty, do sixty to zero probably, uh, and then you know swap the engine. Uh, And he said everything's going to work, including air conditioning, everything. Nice. Very cool. Well, first, we've got to rebuild the engine. Yeah, that's going to take a little bit of time. That's going to take some time. Well, very cool. But the Santa Cruz
3: held it around just fine, huh?
2: Yeah. Good to hear. All right. Uh, Jay, do we have some questions from our lovely listeners and viewers?
4: Yeah, we do. We have one here from Shelly. She has a few questions about the 2023 Toyota Sequoia. Hmm. She's currently driving 2005 Sequoia Limited. Uh, With a luxury package. She bought it new, loves it, Uh, and then last October she ordered a 2022 Sequoia Platinum and was told that it would be five to seven months before she would get it. And then in January she was told she would not get the 2022, but the 23 model. Yeah, sounds like Rivian. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, except they didn't change the price on her.
2: That's good. That's good.
4: So, well so far i was and then she was told that it would, uh, she would have the first pick from whatever the, the dealership receives but now she'll be purchasing a vehicle that she has never seen before and she would like to know what our impressions are of the 23 sequoia uh specifically will she be losing cargo room she doesn't need the third row uh that often and uh she just doesn't think that will be a problem but she still likes the platinum uh the capstone just looks to two over the top for her and she basically just wants a comfortable ride for three adults on a daily basis, and they live in the San Diego area, so freeway driving is gonna be uh, pretty constant as as well as around town, and uh, she really wants our help.
3: Well, did did you drive it? I I have not as as much as
2: seen a in person, so I'm not
3: (laughs) gonna be much help on this question.
2: Well, you know, uh, when the Tundra comes out, then there's a Sequoia because they share the drivetrain so we know a lot about the sequoia i think did andre drive it already did, no. he, did he so he's just going out to drive it well so andre went to the launch reveal though so, so maybe we'll have him talk about it more on, on, on the talking talking trucks. trucks but we can certainly talk about the powertrain because it is based on the tundra what do you think of the tundra my, my biggest worry shelley would be uh, not the uh, size i think you know uh, they rarely make cars smaller I'm not sure about the size, but I bet you it's bigger. You look like you're about to fall asleep, Tommy. You're, 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 you well, are you, you want to go out and grab yourself some uh, Red Bull or something? Because <laughs> I'm really having a hard time concentrating when you look like you're about to fall asleep over here. I'm trying to figure out what to say about the Sequoia. I just, I don't, I, to be honest. Well, what do you mean? There's a lot to say. We, we've got the Tundra. We can talk about that. Yep. And it's it's identical powertrain, identical interior from the driver's standpoint. Okay. Identical, uh, you know. It's basically based on a Tundra. So what do you think of the infotainment in the Tundra? That's, that was my biggest problem. Yeah, it worked. It, yeah, but you had to log in. It was, it was honestly, I think it's going to be a fine SUV. I
3: don't think it's going to, like the Sequoia has always just been like, bloop, right in the middle. It's going to be big, it's going to be comfortable, it's going to have um, pretty, pretty good room, it's going to have pretty good tech, and it's going to last a long time.
2: There you go. Okay. <laughs> That's about all I can say about Well, how about, about, about styling-wise? It looks like a Tundra with, you know, a top on it. The, the, the yeah,
3: like every other Sequoia. People,
2: people in the comments said that the uh, People think the Sequoia actually, looks better than the Tundra. Than the Tundra, yeah. So people like the look of the Sequoia. I just sequoia. don't have
3: a whole lot of animal to Sequoia. You know, I, I, I hate to say it, but I've never been much of a Sequoia person.
2: So you're saying you're not a fan. Why don't you like the Sequoia? I
3: just... I feel like if you're going to get a big SUV, the Tahoe is the best in class and always will be the best in class. I feel like it's never really been... Um, dethroned in that manner. I think they sell a ton of them, but for a reason. I I like the the, the way the Tahoe's look. I like the way they drive.
2: I like the way they make use of their space. So, So according to Tommy Shelley, you're supposed to go out and cancel your Sequoia Reservation and go get yourself a Tahoe. Sure. Is that what you're saying? What Do, Do you agree, Jay?
3: I don't know. I right? don't
4: know because
3: these Toyotas are bulletproof, man. Yeah, I mean, You
4: can just drive them forever. But and
3: that, oh, We don't even know that about the new one because it's it, they be went fine. away. It's a Toyota. Yeah. What could go wrong? We just got that twin turbo V6, right, which hopefully is going to be very good, but we just don't have the data on it yet.
2: Well, we put 7,000 miles on it without any issues. Yeah. Look, Jelly, my... Uh, uh, suggestion would be uh, go and test drive a tundra because it will be based on that. So the power will be very similar. Uh, and my biggest issue was I uh, you know we just got the new uh, Chevy z r two and I drove it all weekend and I was blown away, just blown away by, by how good the infotainment is. and there what you go. We like like buy a tahoe. Whether we like, <laughs> like it, it's a different it's a different system. The Tahoe doesn't have the newest. Although version. the new Yukon I think has got the new. They just redid the, the It the, might The, the new Yukon, Yukon, but interior. the, the Tahoe doesn't have the one we drove does not have it. Anyway, uh, infotainment is becoming much more important in, in the car driving, buying, owning experience, uh, and uh, if it's. Um, you frustrating. Know, and I'll give you what you I mean by really
3: it. didn't like that infotainment and no. I think a lot of the issue it was forced
2: me to log in. We
3: had an early one. Once you log in though, the idea is you never have to log in again.
2: Yeah, but they 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 took some pretty big missteps. For instance, you know, if you wanted auto stop start, they wanted to make that as a subscription. So immediately No, it was a remote start. Remote start. Yeah, yeah. remote start was a subscription-based fee. So immediately I started thinking to myself the reason they're making you log in is because they want to force you to buy things that once upon a time used to be uh, complimentary when you bought a certain level of vehicle. It sounds like she should get a Tahoe. No, I'm not saying get a Tahoe. <laughs> what, what do you think? Uh, have you? Did you have a chance to drive the new uh, uh, Tundra, J?
4: No, I didn't have a chance, but I have driven a, a Yukon Denali last winter. There
2: you go. And did you uh, like no, it? No,
4: not the Denali. I'm sorry, the AT4. Did you like it? Yeah, that had the 6.2 liter V8. That thing's a beast. And I drove that out to Breckenridge to go snowboarding one day, and the roads were a little choppy,
3: and man, I was... Confident, driving that Toyota does a really good product, um, and I think that the Tundra is a very solid middle of the line kind of truck in the lineup. And I think the
2: Sequoia will be probably just just the same. So here's like I said, the infotainment issue, right? Toyota's infotainment was um, kind of uh, bottom of the pack in terms of its usability. Right. In terms it was, of its, it was not not amazing. It was not amazing. So they got a, they built their entire in house team, so they didn't like build it like on. You know, Android Auto, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what they did was they built it from the ground up, uh, and they made it much better. But unfortunately, with like the ZR2, it's gone the next level. And so right now, the current Toyota system is like the truck itself, in some extent, uh, is at par with where, you know, the current set of technology is, but it's not where it's going. So I, I feel like because that's such an important part of the t- Buying process, I, I think she should drive or test or play with the Tundra, make sure she's comfortable with that system because I promise you it's going to be in the Sequoia. In terms of like room, uh, longevity, reliability, power, I think it's got all that. No, sure. Uh, and I like the design of it as well. I think it's a very good looking truck. Uh, and you're right, the capstone edition is the manufacturers recently have found out that there seems to be no ceiling in how much they can charge for very expensive. Uh, And so it's like they're running out of different names to call the most expensive one. I think Ford has now like three different levels of premium truck, right? There's there's King Ranch, Limited, Yeah, and now Toyota has 1794, now Capstone, and what's going to be above Capstone? Okay, so what's the next question?
4: Yeah, actually, um, this oh here we go. This is uh, about the F one hundred and fifty Ford F one hundred and fifty Lightning range extending generator. Okay, that's so this is going to be good because we're going to be shouldn't driving this, that F one hundred and fifty Lightning really soon. Shouldn't this be on trucks though? Should
2: we say this for Andre? This is a yes, car but show. this
3: is like a nerdy EV question, so I, I kind of wanted to dive into it a little bit. All right. So the question is, uh is okay, it, read it. Okay, you want to okay. read it? Jay? This is from Chris. Uh,
4: he's trying to get an answer from Ford on this and he just hasn't received a reply yet. Uh, even with the manager in charge of the Ford display at a recent auto show. What he wants to know is, will Ford include as an option the gas slash diesel generator disguised as a toolbox in the bed? Ford has a patent on this very item and it would make his travel, tra- uh, trailer, travel trailer towing much better than the F-150 or so uh, miles with just the battery. He says he could travel all day instead of just uh, going two to three hours, charge an hour, then another two to three hours, and then charge again.
3: All right, so this is an interesting uh, concept. So um, there was a patent, I think it was um, a couple years ago now, maybe even last year, which was a, um, it looked to be some kind of range extender that fits into the bed, kind of like, a, in, in like an accessory toolbox, perhaps. And um, here's the issue with range extenders. Range extenders are a great idea. Mm -hmm. So, the idea is you got a fully electric vehicle, and then in an emergency, you can start up a small engine to get you to the next charger. Like an i3. But people think that you can drive on range extenders just like you would drive on uh, any other engine but the issue is a range extender is essentially just powering you down the road with however much power that range extender has. So as we found out with the BMW i3, it drove like a normal car on electricity. You could drive up to like 95, 100 miles an hour. It'd be very, very quick. And then when the battery dies, the range extender kicks on. Which like, is a, which is a 600cc Kimco yeah. motorcycle engine. But a lot of people expected it to drive like a plug-in hybrid on a range
2: extender where you can still go 90, 100 miles an hour, still accelerate quickly. And why is it a Kimco and not a BMW? That's, that's an interesting that's, question. Yeah, that's one. Hey, if you if you know the answer to that, why did BMW put a Kimco power plant into their uh, maybe, i3 instead maybe the, of the design of the engine? Because BMW Motorrad right, right is has been around there's, longer there's, than BMW building motorcycles. There's
3: more to that story though. Maybe it was like they needed a certain displacement and they didn't need a um, they couldn't use a, a flat. Actually, I'm engine. probably wrong.
2: I think motorcycles came after BMW because BMW started building airplane engines first, right? Um, yes, aircraft mm, engines. That's correct. Yeah. no, and no, then, no, and then they were prohibited from building aircraft engines during this after the Second World yes. War. So they had to go and do like motorcycles yes and then cars i think yeah, came in yeah, 1934.
3: Yeah. Um, but the issue with the range extender concept is essentially when you're running on the range extender you're driving a vehicle with a tiny little engine So with the BMW i3, you are no longer driving a vehicle that's fast and powerful. You are now driving a vehicle with a two-cylinder, 34-horsepower engine, which means the top speed's about 55 miles an hour.
2: Unless you're going up by 70.
3: In which case, the top speed's about 24 miles an hour, as we found out. Which is
2: terrifying when trucks are passing you at 75 miles an hour. So
3: if you were to range extend an F-150... It would be terrible. It would be pretty bad, because the whole purpose of a range extender is to essentially limp you to the next charger. It's got a tiny fuel tank. It's just supposed to get you to the next charger. Charger. And I really don't think you could drive at all, especially towing. So his idea was he'd tow with the range extender. It's just Bad not going to happen. No, the, where a range extender could be useful is say driving around the i3, it would take an hour to fully deplete the battery right before you have to limp along. Maybe, well, if you, 50 miles of range, so. maybe if you start the range extender right when you start driving, you could extend that um, uh, hour to like an hour and a half or two hours. Of convenient driving.
2: So with the i3, the one we had was a 2014 that had like 50 miles of range, and the newest one got up to like 150.
3: No, ours was 84 officially, it and then you can get up to like 150. But we never got 84. It was. it was pretty. I
2: got 75. Was yeah. about
3: what I would get on it.
2: Yeah. Before the range extender would kick in.
3: But the idea, in theory, with a the range extender, you could turn the range extender on right away when you have a full charge and just basically prolong yeah, the inevitable. But, but there are other problems. Um, well, legislation. You, no, they, no, 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 no. Yes, not, yes, yes, yeah. yes, legislation. You couldn't do that on an i3 because the U.S. government said, yeah, Hey, I, I
2: don't want to go into that. That's a whole.
3: What's an interesting conversation? It's more interesting than the Sequoia. All right. Anyway. what were you going to say
2: now that you open up this can of worms we have to go into this so
3: when the when bmw brought the (laughs) i3 into the states they wanted it to be classified as an electric vehicle right right and not a plug-in hybrid and you got huge advantages in california for doing that so in order for it to be electric vehicle it had to go further on electricity than it could potentially go on gasoline which meant that they shipped it with a two and a half gallon fuel tank and then they had the software limited to two gallons. So it would go just ever so slightly further on electricity than gasoline. Yeah, but there was more to it than that. What and they'd... then and then what you could do in Europe, on the European i3s, you could turn on that range <laughs> extender whenever you wanted to. Here in America, you had to wait till
2: the battery was completely dead. You know what the sound of that? That's the sound of everybody clicking out of this video. They've already clicked out long ago. Because <laughs> like the BMW i3 is just, everyone loved that BMW in America. Well, it was the
3: only, the reason I keep going back to it is because to this day, it's the only vehicle sold in the States that was officially marketed as a range extender
2: vehicle. Can I, can I get to my original point? Sure. The problem, and we found this out with the range extender, is that you have two powertrains and you basically have to serve as two powertrains. So if you have a Kimco engine in a BMW that doesn't run for a long time, our charcoal filter, for instance, which you have to have because it has gas in it, right, mm-hmm. uh, became somehow corrupt uh, and we couldn't, when the charcoal filter stops working, you can't open up the little flap on a BMW i3 to pour gas in, so then it's a very expensive trip to the car dealership to get it fixed no, you so you've to got you got the battery you got to maintain and you've got the engine powered well you got the battery you got the motor and the engine you have to maintain and that gets expensive in you've theory, got two power in theory it shouldn't be that expensive but yeah, it was
3: because it it's an old BMW. Um but you could to clarify when the charcoal filter failed we could
2: still put gas in it we just had to manually pop it well you could you have to go through the emergency <laughs> <release>. <laughs> Um, so so what well, to clarify some more there's a little button in the car that when you push it it doesn't it opens up the flap normally right, right. but to do the emergency you had to open up the the, the, hood. the hood and then pull a lever manually so right. every time you wanted to fill it up you had to actually pop the hood and but pull But that would lever. be that's not the fault of the range extender that that's the same thing on a plug-in hybrid you have two powertrains Well the fault is that you've got two powertrains and you got to maintain right. which um, is a pain in the butt
3: Anyways it was an interesting question and the other thing too is Uh, You'd be astonished at how large of an engine you need to provide such a small amount of electricity. So, for example, look at the size of generators, right? If you go to, like, your Home Depot and you get yourself a normal-sized little 110-volt generator, the thing's going to weigh, like, what, 50, 75 pounds, and it's a pretty big unit. And then you go to plug anything in, and you quickly realize a couple of blenders, and that thing's maxed out. So then you go, and you go crazy like we did. We had a $5,000 Honda generator for a while. Do you remember this thing? I remember, yeah. It was, like, 200-and-something pounds. It needed, like, three people to lift it this thing was like half the size of a truck bed. Five thousand watt unit. And a five thousand watt generator might
2: be able to propel a car at like ten miles an hour. Maybe That's why the F one fifty with the um, onboard power, Mm -hmm. right, is such an efficient generator. It, it generates a lot of power well, because you, you got, got a, twin turbo V6. you got a t- 350 horsepower twin turbo V6. But then you
3: can't drive on electricity for any meaningful amount of time. Right. But right? it does generate a lot of power. So in order for you to generate a lot of power, you need a hell of a lot of gasoline engine.
2: Um, and it'll do so. Did you know it uses about a gallon an hour? Yes. Yeah. And so the new wow. 30, F-150 36 Lightning. 36-gallon gallon tank will last you about The new electric F-150 hours. you're going
3: to go drive tomorrow. Yeah. Um, has like 11 kilowatts of onboard power. So that's even more.
2: Yeah. If you guys are listening to this uh, today, which is Monday, I'm going to go drive the Lightning tomorrow. Uh, that's because Andre's going to drive the new uh, GMC Ultimate Denali uh, and the AT4X. Uh, So we're going to have a lot of great uh, truck content over at TFL Truck. So I'll have a walk around of the Lightning. Tommy, I think Andre's going to have a walk around of the Ultimate and the AT4X. Uh, So a lot of great stuff on truck. Uh, But let's get to the vehicle uh, that I just drove last week, which is a new C-Class. There it is. is. What do you think of the styling? it is, is, looks a lot like the previous one yeah,
3: is it the new one or is at the old it's one? it's
2: like yeah i thought it was a refresh at first but yeah i
3: thought so too but apparently
2: it's all new yes did you, did you know it's three inches longer I, now i do I, thank you for telling and us. did you know two of those inches are at the hood and only one inch is in the rear so you get out of those three inches you get about one inch more uh leg room in the rear and that is according to alex on autos who was on the program with me what so about I the wheelbase I don't know. I didn't ask about the wheelbase. He said they put two more inches. He said also, me and Tommy had this interesting conversation, Jay. And let me see. I'm going to ask you this question because Tommy corrected me. So let's see if you can think of this. So Mercedes said that this is the very first uh, four-cylinder, two-liter turbo that is a mild hybrid. In other words, it has a 48-volt system. Uh, And over breakfast, Tommy corrected me, and he said there was a previous vehicle that had a two-liter turbo hybrid uh, what is that vehicle? From Mercedes? No, from any other manufacturer. What oh, other there's liter- silence now. Yeah. Tommy Tommy corrected me, and he was right. We actually had this car for a very short time.
4: Mm-hmm. I'm kind of stumped here. Now I'm re- but I'm really curious. All
3: right. It was the, uh, well, it is the Wrangler, right, that launched. Um, and I think, actually, this is a good point. They're not... Well, they are wrong, but um, so the two liter turbo in the Jeep launched as a mild hybrid, the e-torque system. And now if you go out and buy one, it doesn't have the e-torque anymore. Yeah. So well, I think they got rid of it.
2: Yeah, I, we got rid of ours too. <laughs> yeah. For Why reason? did they get rid
3: of it? Do you think? <laughs> because we got rid
2: of ours. <laughs> it yeah. left us short. Sure, that's it, the reason. It, it it had issues. Yeah, it was okay. not not fantastic. Uh, yeah, but. it lit up like a uh, the the treble lights lit up like a Christmas tree. And then we stopped were, charging at yeah. the top of Mount oh, Evans. so that's not great.
3: So you think the new C Class, hey, Mercedes, has it worked out? Well, so what what Jeep does is they do like um, the stupid belt driven alternator. Um, which is just like a big chunky motor that kind of sits on top of the engine driven by a belt. Mercedes integrates their um, um, EQ boost system into the engine transmission in like a sandwich system and that's a much better way of doing it. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to uh, see what you think and and what it drives like. I can't wait to watch your video coming up here shortly.
2: Yeah, so, um, you know, there's that old saying, you know, if a car is very successful, uh, then the next generation is an evolution versus a revolution, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Mercedes said that, guess how many previous generation C classes they have uh, sold? I'll let you guys take a guess, both of you, go for it. Uh, 1.2 million. Uh, you are, uh, I'm going to give you a hint, Jay, yeah. you are off by over a million. 200,000. <laughs> what do you say, Jay? Two point <laughs> two. 2.7 million. 2. 7 million. Wow. There you go, wow. Yeah, it's uh, one of the more, most popular models. There you go, it's pretty uh, impressive. Does it
4: sell better than the E-Class?
2: I don't know how many E class they sell, but at 2.7 million, I'm, I'm sure that's a, that's, lot of cars. that's a lot of cars. Especially
3: these days for That's up- got to be global, right? That's a global Yeah, global yeah, Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, design wise, interior and exterior, it's got, you know, a lot of like. Uh, Uh, S-Class in it, right? So, uh, Mercedes was trying to... Yeah, it's got that, like, floating console thing Yeah. with the big round vents. I think it looks good.
4: It's a nice design. I like all the blue lighting trim. I mean, that's not new in a Mercedes, but it still looks really good. No, it looks good. good.
2: Yeah, they were trying to push the narrative of it being a baby S-Class. Baby S-Class. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Uh, But, uh, of course, like a baby S-Class, it's not inexpensive. Yeah, what's the starting price? Uh, I'm not sure if that's embargoed or not, so I'd rather not say... Okay. Uh, if 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 at all possible, until the video comes mm-hmm. out, which will come out May sixteenth, I believe. All right.
3: Well, you have to stay tuned for all that.
2: But you can see you can see a lot of S class in the design of, yes. of the vehicle. Yeah, it's
3: nice. It's very minimalist but very refined. I like this new like uh, dual bladed steering wheel that Mercedes has been doing all over the place. I
2: think is it Is that really a flat
4: cool. bottom steering wheel? I can't tell from here. It, it is a flat bottom steering wheel.
2: Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not the one thing I, I, I gotta say. I'm not impressed with those. They're not really haptic, but look at those like buttons that uh, control, for instance, uh, the uh, seating positions, right? Uh, mm-hmm. they used oh, to, yeah, they, they used to, used to, to move, and they to now they don't move. move. They used to move, and now they don't move. You've got to kind of like just... And, and I'm always trying to push them, and you don't push them. Yeah, I don't like that very much. It's very yeah. frustrating. to it use. Is very yep. frustrating. I've used those as well, yeah. The new system's not very good. Uh, it does have some pretty cool cameras. It's got that 360-degree bird-eye camera. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, of course, uh, this, the one I drove at least, had complete, you know... Uh, both proximity, uh, not proximity. What you call it? Adaptive cruise control and lane centering. And lane centering. There you go. And it, it had it all. And it, it, uh, it, you know, didn't have one of the two or three missing. All right. Yeah. Well,
3: that's great. Yeah. Be sure to stay tuned for that video
2: coming up. Do we have anything else you want to mention? I don't know. How about you, Jay? What else you got going on?
4: Uh, I drove the Infiniti QX55 over the weekend. Yeah. Tell me about that. You know. Um, it looks really good inside and out. Uh, the 2.0 t- uh, turbo engine is kind of a disappointment in, in this car. Really? It's just Why? Well, it compared to, you have like, was a it go up against like a BMW X4, Tommy? Is that about right? Yeah, exactly like right. Yeah, yeah, so you, this is
3: like the coupe version of their... Um, the QX50. QX50,
4: yeah. Right, it just, you know, I'm, I'm accelerating on the highway, Perfect driving conditions, and it just felt heavy. Hmm. It was sluggish,
3: and you're like, you know, this engine is capable of so much more. Well, it also has a CVT, right? I don't, I don't understand this whole what you call step cbt thing, because they're trying to simulate a standard automatic. Yeah, that's but it's yeah. so they, 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 they I know, but it's fake gearing. It's clearly fake so, it's right. fake, so why not just embrace the fa- the the, the, the CVTness? Because just, people don't like that. But right? it's more efficient. It's probably faster. Just and to so, let so it Nissan, run.
2: Nissan has created this like step that makes a CVT sound. Like, well, uh, a lot, not just neat. A lot of companies do it too. A lot of companies. But also, yeah. honestly, I, I think Subaru in, does it as well. If I remember, I think, right. yeah, Maybe yeah, Subaru, But does yeah, it. They,
4: it has that in my yeah. but That Crosstrek costs an awful lot less than that QX55. Yeah,
3: it for doesn't an infinity
4: work. at that price, I can't remember. I mean, you're talking at least fifty five grand or so. Right. I mean, you um, shouldn't be having a CVT. You should be having at least like, especially like a in a model that's like supposed to be sporty.
3: Right. It's kind of got some sporty um sporty looks around it it doesn't drive very sporty it
4: drives kind of like a yeah heavy hunk of metal all
2: right well let's wrap this up with probably the most eye-opening car that we recently drove uh and actually drag raced against the tesla model 3 so uh, i got to go up to our new um quarter mile uh, drag strip which is actually uh an airplane field and guys um we're bringing back get this tommy tfl bids I'm announcing it right here, right now. Okay. Uh, and the first car, if you've been going to our truck channel, you notice that we've got a new video series called Go Big. Yeah. Uh, where Tommy's driving a 1999 Chevy Suburban, right? Yep. Uh, And we are going to be auctioning that off for charity. Who are we going to auction that off?
3: Yes, it's going to support the Colorado State University uh, Drone Center. So all proceeds are going to go and support them, which is a fantastic little organization here. They're doing some really cool scientific research and all that. Um, So all the proceeds from this auction are going to go to them. And it'll be live here pretty shortly, hopefully. So you'll have all of that um, information coming up very soon. But yeah, it's just gonna be a way um, that if you like the vehicles you have seen the videos, you can potentially bid on it and potentially um, uh, own the vehicle as well. So very cool stuff.
2: Yeah, and the reason we're doing this is because they're letting us use their uh, their drone testing uh, aircraft strip Uh, for drag racing so we wanted to thank him because we're doing a lot of fun videos out there drag racing all kinds of things including trucks but we recently had a chance to drag race the brand new BMW i4 M50 uh, which is uh, an all-new electric 4 series uh, BMW that looks like a regular 4 series except if you look close you'll note that it doesn't have exhaust pipes and so we thought it'd be fun to match it up against its direct rival which is the i which is the Model 3 Performance, and that video is up on TFLAV or AllTFL.com. Uh, and um, I won't tell you which one won, but I got to tell you, I was super impressed by that uh, BMW. It was like the first uh, uh, electric car that wasn't kind of Tesla-funky. And I'm not saying Tesla-funky is bad. I'm, You know, Tesla-funky to me means you've got two steering wheel controls and you've got a big screen, and it's very minimalist. This has a regular interface that, you know, most people might familiar with you got to review the uh BMW, Tommy, what'd you think of it? Well, basically, BMW has
3: a two pronged approach on their newest EV. So Mm -hmm. there's the i4 and the iX. And the iX is kind of going for the Jetsons car appeal, where it's got, you know, the crazy materials and the weird design and all that. And the i4 is going for like the gasoline enthusiast that just happens to want an electric car. And I loved it. It was fantastic. It had tons of horsepower, tons of torque. I think like 480 something horsepower. Zero to 60, we measured at 3.7 seconds using launch control. It was the beautiful thing to drive with the classic. Uh, BMW driving dynamics. It was very planted in the, in the corners. We had the uh, 20 inch M style wheels with the high performance tires, and this thing just stuck and stuck in the corners. Very nicely sprung, too. Not too soft, but also not too firm. Um, uh, It definitely changed a lot depending on the mode. So when you go from like sport mode into comfort, uh, the car really changes its character a lot. And then in sport mode, there's also a boost function and a launch control. Uh, But the interior quality was great. I liked the curved screen. I actually love the new iDrive 8 system, brand new iDrive, uh,
2: way better than all the previous models. And it was just fantastic. Yeah, 77000 Yep, it's expensive. expensive. Yep. Uh, and there's another interesting question that we had and we can't answer, but we'll throw it out to you guys, see if you can answer this. So, Tommy, you just said it has a boost feature, right? Yeah. So the way that it works is uh, there's a little graph that says boost, and when you put it in sport mode, you have um, a certain amount of boost. In other words, uh, almost like a certain amount. I think it's got, what, 500? How many horsepower? 500? Well, I think it's 486, isn't it? I think it's 500. Or is it torque 500? Uh, torque might be, might be. Anyway, Let me get the 500-ish exact horsepower. Uh, when you see the little boost um, display, you get more power. Oh, sorry, you're right. 536 horsepower. Yeah, that's what I yep. said 536. I'm pretty good at memorizing numbers for some reason. Everything else I forget. Anyway, 536 horsepower, and so you get you get more power. And then as you use the boost, it, you know, basically what you're getting is more battery power. Uh, and as you're getting more battery power, you're probably thermal heating, thermal, you know. Uh, heating the batteries all the cables all the motors and at some point you run out of boost and it, it, it kind of it doesn't derate itself but it doesn't give you that extra power sure uh, but Tesla doesn't do that right they also don't do a launch control all uh, right with the Tesla Model 3 performance not the Model S right that's got a ludicrous mode and cheetah mode I'm talking about the Model 3 when you floor it it gives you all the power right well but- it, it's worth noting though if you push a Tesla too hard they derate pretty quickly Right. That, that was my question. So, like, when the Porsche Taycan came out, Taycan came out. Uh, one of the things that that Porsche said was, you can do the same zero to sixty run ten times over, and it won't kind of derate itself. So the question is. Do you need launch control? I mean, it, it seems silly. And do you really need this boost feature? Should you, shouldn't it be just like Tesla that when you floor it, Jay, what do you think? You get all the power. You actually have to have a special boost feature and launch control to get the quickest acceleration. What do you like better? That kind of like it goes to, I'm not going well, to, that's a cliche. You know what I mean? That It's like that goes to 11 cliche. Well, look, you've got two okay. different.
3: Here's, here's the different strategies, right? Yeah. And if you accelerate an electric car enough times, the car will automatically... Not a Porsche Taycan. Allegedly. I'd I really like to try that. Okay. But pretty much every other car I've been in, well, it will thermo- thermal throttle yeah. after enough, because it's just, the stuff gets just too hot. Right. So you can do it the BMW way, where they give you the little boost bar right? You can do it the Tesla way where they really don't give you much except they, they slowly kind of take away this little acceleration graph the more you do it. Yeah. Or you can do it the Ford Mustang Mach-E way where they give you prison bars and they just lock you out of it. So do you like the idea like a need for speed turbo style boost mode or the other system where it just slowly and uh, uh, quietly lets you know that, hey, you can't get maximum acceleration?
4: The fun side of Jay likes the immediate boost mode, because that's fine, but I was in the car with you when you, or in the i4, when you kind of hit the throttle, Uh and it literally launched me backwards. Yep. Um, But that's okay, that's fine, but I think on a
3: day-to-day basis, the way Tesla does it might be what more people are used to. The important thing to realize, and I think this is interesting, you're basically doing the same stuff. So whether or not you give a boost mode, or whether or not you slowly take away acceleration, the end result is that... The more accelerate, the slower it's going to go. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah,
2: I see what you're saying. It's just a different way of kind of packaging it and well, giving it to the consumer. Except Porsche is. Very, I, I trust Porsche, Tommy. I think Porsche. You said you kind of like. I, I just eyes. like if you, I, I, I think Porsche. If Porsche says it doesn't de the de- throttle thermal, uh, ther- thermal throttle, then it probably doesn't. I know. I, I believe them, but I mean, it's yeah. interesting. Like, look at other cars too.
3: Um, so, for example, iPACE. Boost mode, right? You get uh, a certain number of uh, seconds of max acceleration. Um, uh, E-Tron has that boost function too,
2: right? Where you get a certain number of acceleration. Right.
3: Gas cars do it too. A lot of gas cars will give you well, extra actually, torque. Actually, the
2: E-Tron is actually even different. It's got you got to push through the pedal to get more. Yeah, power. there's a little like button at the bottom. Yeah, there's a little button, so you, you floor it, and then you got to push on that little button to get extra. Right. So there are like four different ways really to do that now. Right. Or if you're in a Hyundai N product, right, which is an internal combustion engine, you have this little button on the yeah, steering that wheel. Yeah, that
3: really is a, is a turbo button. There's like an n grid shift And
2: too many choices. Here. N-Grin and you get like 10 seconds of overboost.
3: Now what I like, I think the Porsche ways, it, <laughs> the best doing it, just give me all the power all the time. But well, the at pro- some look,
2: point that's not feasible. The problem with like the Model S Cheetah mode and Ludicrous mode is you got to basically thermal manage the batteries for optimum performance. And you sit there, when we did it, I think we sat there for like... Up to twenty minutes waiting for the batteries to heat up to give you their full yeah full beans. Not right?
3: in, does that Model Three though too or is no just...
2: just Model S? Yeah, just Model S. Yeah, so Model S performance does it. Model Three just you just, floor just
3: it. Just get all of it. I, I talked to a guy who actually tracks Teslas at my autocross. Yeah. This past weekend. Yeah. And he said on a typical racetrack, you can get three to four laps before it'll start to derate itself. Okay. And a Model Three. Yeah. Um, and then Tesla also uses something called track mode. So you can actually, there's this little display, and it shows you the temperature in the motors, the battery, and then also the wheels and the tires. And he said there are sensors in the motor and the battery that'll tell you, um, you know, it'll go to, to yellow and then orange and then and red. I've seen somebody else do that too. Somebody, I, I saw that in-, in Sure. But then there's also so another, I can't think of what the main also is. indicators on the brakes and the tires. Yeah. And I said, so how do they know the temperatures of the brakes and the tires? And he said, there's no sensors. It's just uh, software. It says, oh, if you're driving it at this hard for this long, okay. your brakes are probably pretty
2: hot, and then it'll start to turn different. I want to say it was a Porsche that the I'm sure no, it was definitely a Porsche. It was a Porsche GT4 uh, RS, and they have little graphs that actually tell you the temperature of the brakes and of the tires, I believe. And these are real sensors. These aren't, I don't sure. think, I think these are real ones um, that uh, they give you that number. Yeah,
3: a bunch of people do it. Um, I know, I've seen like high performance BMWs as well will tell you those
2: temps as well. Yeah. Anyway, just like a fun little tidbit. All right, last thing before we wrap this up. Uh, I had an interesting experience uh, in our new Mini and I wanted to kind of get kind of a, an etiquette question out there. All right. All right? So uh, I'm coming out of, of the store And I'm driving our little Mini SE, and I noticed that there's a a young lady with a a black Journey uh, Uh, putting something in her back seat, and her door is opened into the Mini. I mean, it's like it hit the Mini. How badly? So uh, it was the edge of the bottom of the door because the Mini's really short, and it put a little ding in the back of the Mini. Oh, no. So it's it's a ding. So, uh, you know, I mean, being, you know you know, a car guy, Uh, it it hurts when you see somebody, you know, basically open their door into your car. So I walked up to her and I was being, I think I was being very, um, I was trying to be very polite, but, you know, at the same time express my uh, concern that her car just damaged my car. So I said, excuse me, but do you know that your door, uh, you know, is in my car, is basically hitting my car. And she looked over and then I looked inside, and she was putting a baby into a baby seat. Ooh. And then I was like, okay, so what, what is now my choice here, right? Uh, my choice is I, I could be like, uh, do you want to handle this via an insurance company because there was a ding in the door? Yeah. Or do I just say, well, she's got a little baby. She's, you know, she's already, she already looked, she had Iowa plates on her vehicle, so I, maybe she was visiting from out of town. She looked like she was, you know, had her hands full with the baby, so I just said, you know what, never mind. Uh, and I drove off, kind of licking my wounds. Uh, but I don't know what you do at that. I mean, That's a tough call. I think you did the right thing. You think so? Yeah, I mean, I felt bad for her. You know, I, I could see, I remember when you were that age, Tommy, and I sure. could see, you know, your mom doing the same thing. It's, listen, you have a young child, it's tough. And she probably didn't even realize
4: it. And, you know, it's. I don't think she realized it. No. There you go. I think that's your answer. I think you did the
3: right thing. Cool. All right. <laughs> Solves that. There you go. Well, thank you so well, much you, for listening. You
2: really uh touring to that etiquette question.
3: I, I don't I don't do very well with these ethical dilemma questions. Etiquette. Etiquette. Yeah, yeah etiquette <laughs> dilemma questions. No, I just I, I think you did the right thing. We'll, we'll just call it the baby dent in the in the uh the it's just just, just
2: it's part of doing business, in other words, part of like owning a car and parking it in a busy parking lot. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, that's been quite the long hour and a bit. <laughs> Right, um, let me know since Tommy's uh, not helping out. Thank you, Jay, for helping out in the comments <laughs> below. What, what you think was the right course of action, and you know what, what you do when somebody does that? Because you know, you, oftentimes you get to your car right and you see the ding, but you never actually see the person who's done it okay. because they have either unwittingly or wittingly left the scene. Of they'll, the, they'll just drive away yes. as fast as yes. they can. Yes. Yes. yes, yes,
3: And as always, check out alltfl.com for all of our stuff in one location.
2: All right. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, and see you guys next time. Ciao.